Welcome to The Read Along. A mini book club for your ears. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one one chapter chapter at at a time. time. Do you like talking about movies? Do you like talking about mediocre movies? Do you like talking about how you could have fixed mediocre movies? Well, I certainly do, and you can listen to me, Scott C. Bourgeois, along with my co-hosts Greg Beaver and Liam Kreswick, as we give our notes, and I have some notes. You can follow it now on your podcatcher of choice, or support it by visiting patreon.com slash I have some notes. Happy Halloween! Uh, happy post-Halloween! Well, when the episode is posted, yes. It is the week of Halloween. Yes. Here at Shea Read Along. We are recording just pre-Halloween, but this will be going up slightly post-Halloween. Yeah. So it's, very Halloween-y over here. It's spooky week, basically. That's where I'm going <laughs> with this. Time to indulge in some delicious spook fruit. Are you planning to eat one of the pumpkins? No. There you go. <laughs> but we carved them. We did. Or at least we carved one of them. Well, the other one got like lightly stabbed and then painted. (laughs) Our daughter is adorable. She wanted so much to carve pumpkins and she didn't want any help because she's three and like angrily independent. But basically all she wanted to do was like stab it a bunch with the little carving saw and like make a little line. And then that was it. Um, But then she painted her pumpkin. Yes. So there's a lot of paint everywhere. There is a lot of paint on that pumpkin. Mm -hmm. Our son did a really good job on his pumpkin. Uh, you helped him draw the face, but he knew exactly what he wanted. And he did, like, most of it by himself. Yeah. Like, I helped out when he got tired, but he had done, like, the vast majority of, like, the, the sharp teeth. Yeah, he carved. his pumpkin. And, he carved good. Yeah, he done carved real good. Yeah. Uh, and he also put some paint on his pumpkin. So we have some very uh, colorful pumpkins. Yes. <laughs> some colorful jack-o'-lanterns. I mean, that's that's part of the fun of, of the spooky season. Yeah. It's getting to carve your decorative gourd. <laughs> According to tradition, yes. Indeed. Yeah, we also uh, hosted a party. Yeah, our big Halloween party is back. For the first time in years. I know. We uh, had some friends over. Much snacks were consumed. <laughs> so many snacks are left over. <laughs> yes. And uh, yeah, had a general good time. Yeah, it was really nice. We used to have a big Halloween party back in the old house regularly. Yeah. Uh, then we had kids, which slowed that down. Well, at first it was because when our son was young, he was he was little, and it was kind of difficult to like host a large number of people around the schedule of a, a a baby and then a toddler. And then, of course, kids start getting stuff, and so suddenly it went less from well, we've got a baby to more well, Where we are don't put everybody. We don't have a lot of space anymore. And then we had a, another child. And that kind of started it all over again. Yeah. And then more stuff started to get accumulated. And finally, yeah, it was just like, we don't we don't have a good party house anymore. It's true. But now... Now we have a party house. Now again. we have new house, which is an excellent party house. Lots of space for our friends to come and visit and sit. And it was... Yeah. So we had a Halloween party and it was awesome. Yeah. Had a really good time. It was nice to see everybody all together again. It's... Uh, yeah. I haven't done that in a while. What with gestures wildly at everything. Uh, yes. There haven't been a lot of uh, big get-together to-dos, so. No. 
So we're going to start that again. Assuming Ho- assuming safety. Yeah, right? assuming, assuming safety. Assuming safety. We should talk about our book. <laughs> I mean, we usually update with our lives, stuff that's going on. Yeah. And for once, we're not talking about the weather. We're talking about Halloween, yeah. one of our favorite holidays. Truly is. Yeah, we're more Halloween. we're more Halloween people, so which is not surprising, I would say, <laughs> to most of our listeners. But at any rate, yes, well, let's get into the book with a brief recap of our previous chapter, chapter 28, in which the queen receives some bad news thanks to the weather. Worse news after she bangs her shin chasing a dog. And then some good news about the direction that the investigation appears to be going. And that cheers her up just in time for chapter 29 of The Windsor Knot by S.J. Bennett. So the rain ceases. Hooray! Just in time for the horse show to go ahead. Also hooray! And this elevates the queen's spirits immensely. Oh my goodness, Because if there's one thing that Her Majesty loves, it's a good horse show. Mm -hmm. And she also loves it when her horse does really good in the horse show. (laughs) Well, anyone would enjoy that. Yeah. care what your title is. If you're into horses and your horse does well, you feel good. Rosie is herself legitimately like surprised at how happy the queen appears to be considering she knows how crummy a week she had been having leading up to this yep she's like it's like she's been happy as a schoolgirl for days and sir simon's like that's just the way she is yeah this is this is our queen uh, we get a little bit of uh of a nice character beat between rosie and sir simon here as well yeah we kind of share a friendly moment which is really sweet yeah because we usually just kind of see them being brusque professionals, yes. but they actually both have their hair down for a minute. Yeah, for like a brief moment. And so like Rosie gets an opportunity to like chide him about his stuffy upper class upbringing and he just kind of like leans into it. Yep. <laughs> Where she's like, oh, so hard for you choosing between horses and private school. And he's like, I know, I had such a hard <laughs> life. Everything's the worst. I thought it was fun. Sir Simon's a good egg. Yeah, we we get a little bit in his head here too, and we definitely see why he appreciates Rosie and why she kind of got the job is because she's not pretentious. Yeah. A lot of the people who were vying for the position were a little full of themselves, but Rosie is immensely qualified, but very down to earth. Yeah, confident without being arrogant. Yeah. Right? And that appealed to Sir Simon because Rosie acquits herself very well. Yeah. Also, you know, really competent. Yeah. So the queen's horse <laughs> wins. Barber's shop mm-hmm. wins. Uh, whatever the title was that it won. And the queen wins 50 pounds worth of Tesco. Yeah, like a voucher. A oh coupon. Oh my god. It's a royal horse show. And she gets a gift card. And the prize is a $50 gift card. Now, in fairness. Tesco. In fairness, the this was like a dressage contest early on in the overall horse show. And I'm under the impression that like the stakes were not super high on this one. No, but it was it was very much for the pageantry in the show. Oh, it's 100%. not like an official competition per se. Which is but... why she wins a like a fifty dollar coupon. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, fifty pounds worth of Tesco. And I'm like, I and she was just like right chuffed about it, right? Yeah. So pleased that she won this gift card. She was wondering how many carrots she could buy. Yes, to take for the ponies and the children. Yeah. I, was like, I hope she goes and spends it in person. I would love to see the queen proudly spending her gift card. It just amuses me. Your finest carrots, sir. <laughs> 50 pounds worth. We have a gift card. <laughs> ah, sorry, it just tickles me. I love it. But the queen is elated. And this is like a good kind of 
punctuation mark on what, again, had been a pretty crummy week leading up to this point. Yeah. Everything kind of is working out here. In more ways than one, it turns out, because we then catch up a little bit later. Sir Simon and Rosie are back at the castle, putting their feet up after all of the to-do, mm-hmm. catching up on a little bit of the little bit of the work that needs to be done, uh, getting debriefed, as it were, having a little drink. As you do. Yeah, just, just a little casual downtime between coworkers, and a very morose Sir Peter stops by because he's just been to see the Queen, and he was basically... Uh, ready to fall on, he literally says he was ready to fall on his sword here because he went to the queen basically to apologize for letting an imposter into the castle. Yes. Because he is now very aware that the Dr. Rachel Stiles, using quotation marks, yes. who came to the dine and sleep, or not the dine and sleep specifically, but who was there during the dine and sleep, yes. was not Dr. Rachel Stiles. Correct. It was an imposter. He's mortified that there was this lapse in security. He's kind of the person who organized this event. And so he feels that the buck stops with him. And so he had gone to the queen to apologize. And he was very surprised because she was like not surprised at all by this information. She was very pleasant about it. She like let him completely off the hook. And the best he can figure is just the horse show made her so happy that <laughs> that she's allowing this to slide, even though we and to an extent, Rosie know that that's not the case. To be fair, uh, as the conversation unfolds, Sir Simon also lets him off the hook. Like, yeah. it wasn't Sir Peter's job to personally vet everyone that was coming to this meeting. No. Right? He wasn't in charge of all the security measures, no, etc., right? As uh, Sir Simon points out, like, at the end of the day, Castle Security failed, MI6 failed. Yeah. Because they were responsible for putting the meeting together. And the foreign office failed because they were also responsible for putting the meeting together. And they were the ones who chose the guests. So if an imposter got in pretending to be Dr. Rachel Stiles, they're the ones who didn't vet her well enough. Right. And then security didn't double check. And that's not Sir Peter's fault. No, it isn't. He was just the guy who sent out the invitations. Basically. Yeah. He was like the host of the meeting, basically. Exactly, yeah. And he, I mean, Sir Simon's not wrong. There were several mechanisms that failed long before he didn't bother to double check. Right, So, yes. like, he's putting it on himself, but really there were other more important people along the way who dropped the ball on Also, dro- yeah, also dropped the ball. Yeah, or- Multiple people dropped that ball. Well, and we have reason to believe that Anita Moody- attending the meeting as Dr. Rachel Stiles was planted there by some foreign intelligence outfit. So, I mean, they at least had two brain cells to rub together and knew what they were doing, presumably, right? Presumably. Yeah. Like, I assume that someone, I don't necessarily think it's an inside job, but I think someone knew enough about the lack of double checking mm-hmm. in the vetting process, found the loopholes. Yeah. It's interesting. In. It's interesting that you say that it might not have been an inside job because someone gets brought back up in this chapter. Yeah. And it's been brought up enough now that I'm I'm suspicious. And I was suspicious right from jump. And that is Kelvin Lowe. Yes. Because it's brought back up in this chapter that the reason why the imposter was even there overnight was because the meeting got delayed. Everybody had already arrived at the castle. Kelvin Lowe, for some reason, couldn't make it in time. He got held up. And so they had to keep everyone overnight so they could have the meeting right away the next morning. And this is the same Kelvin Lowe, this wonderkind of foreign intelligence, who, when introduced to the queen, could not meet her gaze. And she found that weird and off-putting. 
that memorable. Yeah, like not not just I'm intimidated because the titular head of state of my country is talking to me, but like he was ashamed or feeling guilty about something. Right. So you say you're you're not saying that it was an inside job, and I'm countering with, but was it? Well, I don't know. Like. It all could have been unfortunate coincidence. I'm feeling Or no. it could have been on purpose. I don't know. I'm not certain exactly what was going on because I feel like the queen is playing her cards very close to her chest at the moment and hasn't revealed all of what she knows to us. But I'm willing to say at this point, and I, I'm sure I brought it up before, and I have been suspicious of it, Kelvin Lowe's delay at the airport was not an accident and was not a coincidence. He purposefully didn't make it in time so that Anita Moody would be in the castle overnight. We don't know exactly why she needed to be in the castle overnight. It might have something specifically to do with getting Brodsky murdered. Maybe. We still don't know if that was incidental or if that was directed. And the queen has certainly hinted that maybe it was on purpose, that it was supposed to do something that it subsequently hasn't done. Right. So, again, I can't help but think that Kelvin Lowe may be in on it. Maybe. So, all of this hubbub, if we follow that particular line of logic, that Kelvin Lowe delayed things on purpose to keep Anita Moody in the castle overnight so that she could kill Brodsky and set up this scandalous scene, right? Mm -hmm. Which all links back to China. Kinda. And Rosie brings that up in this chapter. Right. So we've yeah. already determined that Russia doesn't want Brodsky dead. Russia doesn't seem to care about Brodsky at all. Right. So my question is, why would China want Brodsky dead? Well, it's possible that China doesn't necessarily want Brodsky specifically dead. It's possible that China was looking to cause a major scandal because British intelligence is snooping after China's actions in this Belt and Road deal. Yes. Which was also brought up before and is brought up again here. Yep. And it's posited in this chapter, like, maybe China was interested in what Britain knows, but it's also very possible that China was just looking to cause a scene. But why? This part will be cut out of the episode. The part where there was like a full minute where Nita and I were staring at each other, piecing stuff together. Trying to figure out why China? But- I think I've hit upon a possible scenario. Okay. What if China wants to discredit uh, whatever information that MI6 and the Foreign Office have on their Belt and Road stuff by discrediting their so-called experts? Oh, okay. So they presumably, let's say, have some pull over Kelvin Lowe. He's one of these experts on... China. He works in that area. Maybe maybe they flipped him. Maybe they have dirt on him. Don't know. Okay. But they pull some strings to ensure that Kelvin is able to get an agent into the castle overnight to basically scuttle this meeting by causing a scandal, by causing a scene. Oh. And Brodsky becomes a victim of convenience because he does identify Anita as the fake Rachel Stiles. So the scene that she ends up needing to cause is keeping him quiet. And so she kills him. Sets it up to be a big scandalous scene, all in the hopes that A, this discredits one of the, one, maybe more of the so-called experts involved in this meeting, in this case, Rachel Stiles. Right. And number two, creates this big scandal that draws attention away from the from this investigation into the Belt and Road stuff altogether. Okay. Yeah, okay. Because if Dr. Rachel Stiles is a, is a drug-addicted murderess... <laughs> 
then how can she know much about what's going on in this meeting? And that means the whole meeting is suspect, right? Right. Okay. Then why did Anita have to die? Well, she mucked is it, it up. She, is because she was made? She was made. She mucked. She screwed it up. But then she killed Brodsky, so she wasn't made. Well, she she was possibly made by Brodsky and killed him, but then it's very possible that because the scandal didn't end up happening, because it was all very quickly and carefully covered up by the staff. Are you suggesting that she didn't do a good enough job and so she was killed for it? Quite possibly. Oh. She showed up at the professor's house and was really upset. That's true. And concerned that she was going to be, like, harmed. So something clearly went wrong. Yes. Now, maybe that's because Brodsky wasn't her intended target. Oh, maybe. It's possible that there was still a case of mistaken identity involved. Maybe she was still going after Vadim. Maybe that this was supposed to be a big scandal that was supposed to cause problems with Russia to distract away from the stuff going on with China. Oh, and then she killed the wrong Russian. But she killed the wrong Russian. Oh, that also makes sense. Yeah. Like, we're we're kind of like spitballing here. Oh, this is all just absolutely. free association. I'm just saying that there's there's the possibility that this was meant to cause a big to do with the Russian delegation. That's true. But I she killed but she killed the wrong person, either because she accidentally killed Brodsky instead of Adam, which is a little weird because she knows Brodsky personally. Or she thought Brodsky would be as good as Vadim, but nobody cares about Brodsky. And so nothing came of it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I don't know how true it is, but it, it makes sense. Like there's there's the kernel of something here. It's plausible. Yeah. It connects a lot of the disparate pieces together. Yeah, loosely. Loosely. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, something else that Sir Simon and Sir Peter bring up in their conversation is that he assumes that the imposter and the real Dr. Styles were obviously in it together. Yes. I'm not sure I agree with that. It depends on the order in which they died. Yeah, because we don't know if the Dr. Rachel Stiles, who was interviewed by police after the murder, was Anita or not. Right. Therefore, we don't know if the Dr. Rachel Stiles, again, in the morgue is Anita or not. Also right. And they do talk about how, to them, it seems like there's two bodies. And in this case, they're talking about the dead Dr. Rachel Stiles, who they admit at this point was probably murdered. And Brodsky, who was definitely murdered. Yeah. And it's Rosie, who in the back of her mind is like three bodies because she's taking into account that Anita's also dead. Yeah, because she's got a Brodsky, a Rachel, and an Anita. Yeah. And they've only got a Brodsky and a Rachel. Yeah. Question mark. Indeed. So, interesting. I am sure someone out there reading this book had an aha moment in this chapter. It felt like there was enough for someone who was really clever and really paying attention and who had the same line of thinking as the queen did, right? To mm -hmm. put it together and be like, mwaha, that person was not me. Well, perhaps we'll figure out more. Perhaps we'll have our aha moment as we move into the next chapter. If, if you've got some inkling of what's going on, by all means, feel free to <laughs> drop us a line and, and let us know. Yeah, you are also allowed to speculate irresponsibly, as we do. Indeed. But in the meantime, you can catch up on chapter 30, which you're going to want to read up on in time for next week. In the meantime, of course, you can always give us a little rating and a review on your podcatcher of choice. Oh, we appreciate those so much. We do. Uh, you can also send us any sort of interaction via social media. Indeed. We are on uh, X, formerly known as Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. We are at the read along on most of those. Indeed. Uh, we can also be reached via email. Absolutely. We are the read along at gmail.com. And with that said, as always, we love you very much and we'll see you next time. Maybe more horses?
Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com. Thank you.